American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is perfect purpose, and this is American football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by co-hosts Coach Q and Chris Green. What's going on, fellas? What's going on? Hey, y'all. Happy to be here. How's it going? The AFF podcast is available wherever you listen to your podcast. They just put us on iHeartRadio, guys. We're on more than 25 different platforms. So wherever you are, wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. And I mean that. I think on Spotify, we only have like 13 reviews right now. So most of our listeners are from Spotify. Just give us five stars, people. You know, we're, we're trying to do some big things here. We, we need more reviews. So I appreciate if y'all go and do that for me. It's first down where we get a chance to start fresh and discuss whatever is on our minds. Q, what do you want to talk about today, man? Obviously, in the U.S., we had another tragedy, another school shooting. Not something that you really want to talk about, but I guess the what I really want to talk about is, man, we gotta we gotta figure out a way to change, man, as a country. Man, I don't know what's going on, man. We got to figure out a way to change this, man, because this is it's getting to the point now where it's like it's gonna be the wild wild west, and I I want to avoid that. But, but that's the point we're getting to, man. Do you feel like I mean, I don't want to get too, you know, politicky in here, but do you feel like this is one of the things that right, gun control would be an, an issue that needs to be revisited in the United States? Um, I don't think it's 100 percent just gun control. I think it's also this is a people thing, too. I think like you can it doesn't matter if if you if a person can buy a gun or not, if they want to do something, they're going to do it. They're going to find a way to do it. So I feel like trying to. Yeah, it's going to mitigate who gets what and all of that, but there's still a person behind that thing. Like that's the, that's the part that we need to figure out how to recognize or try to understand like what causes a person to do some damage like that, especially to kids or any human though. But it's a reason why this is happening. And I don't know. It's like the gun control part is, is part of it, but there's something wrong with people that do stuff like this. And I think we need to figure out, how to recognize that or how to really just see the early signs of it or, you know, take stuff more serious or just more precaution in life, period. I don't know, but... I agree. I think it's one of those things where it's like... I was listening to this podcast uh, previously talking about the same situation. And they're like, there's always going to be conflict in life. There's always going to be issues. There's, there's always something. Mm. Things aren't always going to be perfect. It could be bad. It could just be, you know, coincidental, whatever. Actually, they were talking about a, a certain type of person, but it still relates that say if you're in the Northeast, you're in like Boston, New Jersey area, you get into a, a scuffle or something mm. most likely if you start mincing words with certain people you could get into a, a physical altercation and you're like that's expected in that area when you go to mm. like rural towns in the south you know that hey you say the wrong thing okay we're gonna have to go out back and we're gonna have to you know a fist of yeah. but yeah. you also know this is this hits me home personally because um, from the area I'm from, you know, Southeast Houston, I'm from right outside of a, a major city where I'm from in one city. If I go there, I know that, OK, if something go down, I'm going to have to pull out left and right. 
But I know that if I go into the third ward of Houston and someone don't like the way I look, I might not make it back. Yeah. Don't matter if I can beat them hand to hand because that ain't what it's going to be. Because yeah. I know for a fact they are holding. They coming. Like if I say something to the wrong person, I'm not getting to breathe again or talk about a fight. Mm-hmm. And is it because of the guns that they have access? No. they. All these areas have access that I'm talking about. But it's a mentality. I'll go a step further and blame some of these weak-ass parents out there. Yeah, I call them weak-ass parents because you you raise your child and when they when things don't go their way or they don't like how something is, instead of dealing with that pain or trying to figure out a solution, you tell them, just go do this or go tattle, go get a gun or go do this, and you're not raising these kids to be stronger. Um, I feel like you know me and UQ from similar areas – we have a certain resilience to us. This also applies to, you know, mental health. You get depressed and people are getting mm-hmm. depressed and deciding to take other people's lives. As a black man, I find that as a cop out, you know, even something as bad as, you know, going towards suicide. Again, I feel like you're you're cheating everyone else by taking your own life, taking anyone's life, even your own. is something I don't really condone, but that's the way I was raised. Mm. I can't really just you know tell other people to you know accept my my thought process. But also, if you have a different thought process, I'm not gonna go get a gun and shoot up a whole bunch of kids at school, anyways. So yeah. that's my piece on it. So I, I agree, we need to do better. But I do blame the parents, and I'm actually blaming my generation now because we are a shitty generation of parents. But I also blame yeah. my my parents' generation too because. They made us think that we could do what we're doing with our kids, and now they're, you know. I know yeah. I'm rambling. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. <laughs> Chris, you're not from the States. Give me a no. different topic. Give me I'm a different give, topic. What's on your I'm mind? i give you something from the UK. So this week, we are celebrating the Queen Elizabeth's 70th Jubilee. So it's her 70th year on the throne, platinum jubilee. It's the first time a, a, a royal, a monarch has ever got there. So fantastic in the UK. There's big celebration this week. Lots of garden parties, lots of stuff going on in the UK. So big, mm. big uh, landmark in the UK this week. Tell me the Great. truth. How, how is she still alive? What is she still in somebody's blood? Is she still in some young person's blood? Getting hey. blood Whatever she's taking, I want some of that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Is it is it true that the queen is exempt from the laws? Like it does, but she doesn't. She doesn't go in the same laws. Like yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, she basically do okay. what she wants. She can do what she want to do. It's, it's good for us in the UK. We get another. We get another bank holiday. So we get another day off work. So oh, okay. well, it's a win win. <laughs> if you are holidays, come to Finland. We stay with holidays. Mm. Every Sunday is a holiday. <laughs> holiday. Somehow, <laughs> yeah. Uh, every. Matter of fact, I'm going to throw this out here before we get into the actual football stuff. This weekend is like graduation, so all the leagues have made sure the schedules leave everybody open for Friday and Saturday. I'm saying my ass inside on Friday and Saturday because that mean all the kids going to be out. I don't want to deal with none of that. There's cider hats and all that, yeah. <laughs> congratulations to everybody that's graduating. I hope you go out and have a blast. Just don't do it around me. I am a very old person. I'm trying to chill inside. I ain't trying to get lit or nothing like that. I I live in Lati, and anybody in Finland, y'all know what Lati is like. This weekend, I'm I'm putting uh, bars on windows because you know it could get crazy out here. <laughs> Chicago or Finland, but that's first down. <laughs> <laughs>
the players of the week have been announced on our social media channels earlier this week. But of course, you know, we have to explain why we picked these guys. So let's get into offensive player of the week, quarterback of the Porvu Butchers, Brandon Gwinner. Uh, just to put out a couple stats. First of all, we don't pick by stats. Like stats is not what we pick, but we just give you stats because people like to hear them. Okay. So Gwinner was 12 of 24 for 212 yards, threw five tubs, had 65 rush yards, and ran for a rushing touchdown. So, Q, tell us, what about him stood out to you this week? Um, I think he just relaxed this weekend and got the ball out and made just good throws. I mean, if you look at the touchdown throws that he, that he made, they were like in stride. The receiver didn't have to stop anything. He just pretty much just stayed in the same stride and, and uh, made the throw. So, he got the ball to to his guys. I mean, Miko Sheppard catching like three. He he did what he needed to do to pretty much make it happen. So um, I just seen that he was a lot more accurate. He was a lot more for sure of where he was going, and he, and he led the receiver um, the right way. So yeah, like you say, stats okay, fifty percent you know completion, but it worked. Half of the completions were like touchdowns. So and you look at it that way, it was a good thing. So he had a good game. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, Q. And, he, and we've been talking about off-air, but he has a lot less to work with, a lot less weapons to work with, and he's doing a great job with his with his offense there, and they, they absolutely tranced the Eagles. So it was a good good day for that, that offensive unit of the, the Butchers. Yeah. I'm glad that he's the guy that we chose this week. The reason I say that is this was one of those games where if he would have played bad, we would have to start saying, okay – the butchers don't have a shot, you know, like the, the Eagles defense, they're not great. We've all agreed that, but you still have to go out there and play. We saw other quarterbacks not play that well this weekend. Yeah. But Brandon Gwinter went out there, did what he did, what he needed to do, took care of business. And that's what I really respect about his gameplay. Like you said, Q, he was making all the throws you're supposed to make. He made them, did some work with his foot, had an overall complete game, I wouldn't even blame him for the completion percentage, you know, only completing 50%. It's not great, but I'll be honest with you. You got one receiver, guy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Throwing out more of the stats, you know, to defend the pick. Miko Sepinen caught four passes and had four three catches. touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, he had three touchdowns out of those four catches. That lets you know that even though he was throwing the ball, only certain people were catching it, okay? So it is what it is. You got to work with what you have. Um, you got that young guy, um, Lucas Erla, out there, you know, getting better over time. But he had a, a really great game this week. So we'll move to the defensive yeah. player. And defensively, we're going to have defensive lineman from Copio Steelers, Akeem Allen, who totaled six tackles, four tackles for loss, and two sacks in the shutout win against the Helsinki Wolverines, where their defense gave up zero. That's a goose egg. Zero points. Uh, what's one reason why you decided to go with this guy this week, Q? Um, he just had a presence. He had a major presence. Um, he's a voice of the defense. He was all over Jabari pretty much. Every time he scrambled, he was somewhere in the mix or around. Um, and when you got a guy like that on your D-line who's constantly making chaos and constantly going, you know, he, he works up the rest of the defense and he wears down your offensive line. So he was definitely the, the defensive player of the week. And I think we all can agree that, that 
even stat-wise, you know, you can see that he was active. So just a great game for him. Yeah, I agree. The offensive line of the Wolverines really struggled to block him. Even if they were double-teaming him, he just seemed to slide off, get through, and make some great tackles. I think he was in there on that strip for Will Young as well. I'm not sure he was the one that got the ball out, but he was definitely in there on that tackle. And they got that forced fumble when Will Young fumbled it. And, I mean, look at that defense as a unit. They restricted the Wolverines' offense. Like, it was insane. Two first downs. Insane. Five rushing yards all game? My God, insane. Two first downs. I am not going to (laughs) talk about the Wolverines with you guys right now. During players of the week, I am not gonna talk about Wolverines <laughs> with y'all. I know what y'all trying to do, uh, but just dangling that carrot. <laughs> yeah, I see that. But to get back to the player, Akeem yeah. Allen, he was like you said, Q, presence early in the game, vocal and physical presence. Um, I was at the game, guys, so I heard a lot of what was said. You know, he was telling people to get off the field. He told them Will Young ain't yeah. going nowhere. That's run game. That's not even rush. Like, that's not sacks. That's, hey, tackles for loss. He had two sacks before tackles for loss. So that's run game. He's stopping run plays. That guy's everywhere. One thing I think about this week, we give him the defensive player of the week award, but I really feel like it's a a defensive award for the Steelers. I really feel like you have to look at it that way. Like, this guy set the tone for that defense this week. His stats, you know, backed it up. But when other players were making plays, he was usually the catalyst. And that's why we chose him as the player of the week, because he was the catalyst for that defense, whether he was in the play or not, both vocally and on the field. He was a leader, and they shut down the Wolverines' offense. Mm-hmm. But I'll talk more about the Wolverines' offense later, okay? Chris Green has inside the numbers for us today. Chris, take it away, man. What what did you see out there? Welcome to Inside the Numbers with Chris Green. And as you know, this is the part of the show where we take a look at my top five best stat lines of the week. Now, you got to be special to be in this, and you got to put something on film. Show me something. Now, let's get into it. Number five. This week, I have Nolan Corpening of the United Newland Crusaders. He had five catches for 103 yards. And one TD. And number four is Helsinki Roosters quarterback, Bryce Stanko. He was 14 of 18 for 148 and passed for three touchdowns. He also had one TD on the ground in the rushing game. Number three, we've got Mikko Seppinen of the Porvo Butchers. He had four catches for 60 yards. And of those four, three were for TDs. And when you get into the end zone, 75% of your catches, you know you're going to make my top five. Number two, we've got Akeem the Dream Allen. He had five solos, two assists, 4.5 TFLs, two sacks. And I definitely think Coach Q winding him up is making him put him work on the field to prove you wrong. Number one, we've got Brandon Gwinner, quarterback for the Poor Vue Butchers. He had himself a day. He was 12-24 in a pass game, 2-12 with five TDs through the air. He did have one pick, but he also had seven carries for 65 yards on the ground and one rushing touchdown. And that's going to be it for Inside the Numbers this week. If you want to make my top five, show me the proof. Put it on film and join me next week for Inside the Numbers. Are you looking for quality football apparel and accessories at an affordable price? Rare Athletics is made for players by players. Head over to rare.se and get your drip today. That's R-E-Y-R-R dot S-E. 
and use code AFF20 to receive 20% off all Rare Brand products. Now let's talk about outside the numbers. Let's get rid of the numbers. Let's look at some key player performances that might not have been highlighted in the stat sheet this week. You can always find the stats online or even when Chris tells you about the top players. But who are some guys that played well this week but maybe didn't put up monster stats that people who aren't us would notice? Q, who did you have on your list? Well, that's not necessarily a person, but I went with the Wolverines uh, defensive line. There you go. It was a rotation of probably, I want to say maybe five guys. They were missing J-Mo, um, but I think they did a pretty good job given given the circumstance of Corpio not really having a lot of big run plays. They, they gassed him a few times, but for the most part, they got pressure on, on the quarterback, and that in turn helped the DBs out on some plays. Um, but I want to say Wolverines' D-line looked great. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. They looked great. They held Corpio still to 14 points. The second one, I guess, was a pass, so. Uh, I just think Wolverines had a, had a pretty good uh, defensive like showing. They showed what they could do against a good, uh, probably one of the best teams. And I think if they could take anything away from that game, that that'll be one thing. It's just the D line has a lot of potential to be a dominant D line, and, and it can stand up against one of the better O lines. So I'll tell you what they what they can't take away from that game: <laughs> a win. <laughs> 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 Chris, what about you? Uh, who is somebody or something that you saw this weekend that stood out outside of the stats? I'm going to say that game as well, but I'm going to go with a group. I'm going to say the Corpio Steelers secondary. Mm. Great job. You had Ronnie Leiner, Errol Weiser, and Tino Dongo. They were just great, absolute stalwarts back there. Restricted Jabari with his options. Shut down RJ Long, shut down the rest of the receivers. They had a fantastic day out, that whole Corpio Steelers secondary. When you restrict a team that's as high powered as the Wolverines, yeah, I know they've got a few injuries at the moment at receiver, but the 21 pass yards. Damn. Insane. 21 pass yards. That is impressive. I'm going to actually throw in that other two guys that play on that defense for the Steelers, you know, just to round that out, Marcus. Oh, you know, I can't say last name. I'm 32. I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, Eero Pekarinen. I think that's how you say Eero's name. I'm just throwing those out there just so we know that that whole secondary is five guys. Like they got a really good secondary. It's five guys who do that group. But what I saw this weekend that really stood out and has nothing to do with numbers is there was some feelings. And I'm going back to the same game that y'all are talking about. Steelers versus Wolverines because it was the only good game of the weekend. Let's just be honest. There was some feelings out there in Helsinki, man. If you watched the game on Route 2, you heard it. If you were in the stands, oh, here's a tidbit. I thought for a second that we are going to get one of them uh, fights in the stands during this game. There was times uh, where, you know, a play didn't go one team's way, usually the Wolverines, and you have a lot of finish cursing going on. And immediately afterwards, someone from Quopio, which there was about 20 people from Quopio out there, would be like, go Steelers! And then someone would be like, the fuck you say? And then like, go Steelers! And I'd be like, the friends was out there just like, you, you know how it is, that passive-aggressive. It was tits out there in the stands. I'm standing in the stands, and I'm wearing a Steelers hat because that's my pick. 
but I'm sitting next to like nothing but Wolverines fans. So obviously I was, you know, being myself, but I was, I felt a little uneasy at some times because there was times in this game where both of these teams were very vocal early in the game. You seen Ville Veloste getting his guys up on the sideline, giving powerful speeches, Curtis Slater saying his thing, Akeem Allen talking, but then you saw guys like Tino and Dongo, Ito Pekinen getting in the faces of these American guys. There's a difference, and we all know it. Americans have this bravado. You know, we're cocky. We're sure of ourselves, confident. But when you see Finnish guys saying, hey, I don't care who the hell you are. I'm part of the Quopio Steelers, and we're going to get this done. It was a proud moment, guys, because I felt like I was at a football game. Felt really good. In the second half, not as great, obviously, but the Steelers didn't stop talking shit. They kept talking the entire game. Wolverines died down a little bit towards fourth quarter once they knew things were, you know, over. But early on, there was a lot of animosity, a lot of tension, a lot of err going on. It felt like a rivalry. And I feel like of the teams that we have in the Maple League, these two teams have rosters that we could we could build a rivalry here. You know, we could build something. Uh, I'm not saying that either team will be more successful on the field. But mostly for the shit talking and being competitive, but not necessarily killing each other. And fan base wise, I would love to see the Wolverine fans go to Quopio. That mm. I think would be crazy. I don't think they're going to go because people are lazy in Helsinki. You don't know what it is, but that would be interesting. But I know wherever Quopio goes, their fans follow and seeing their fans hold it down for them like that. It was it was impressive. That's what stood out to me in the game. I know I'm talking way too much, but it stood out that this was a football game. If you ever happen to be able to see these two teams play, I suggest you go and watch that game because they they were bringing it both on the field and off. So there's plenty of football going on in the world right now. I'm going to talk about some of the top stories of football outside of the Maple League. We'll start off with the Women's Maple League here in Finland, where this weekend the Tampa the Saints ladies took on the West Coast Phoenix and came away with a 34-26 victory. This game was everything. If you ever believed that teams get better throughout the game, this is the game that you wanted to be at, where the Saints were up at one point, 28-6, and the Phoenix were like, no, we're not done. We're going to get back in this. And at the end of the game, you know, the Saints were the better team, so they were able to, you know, hold it on to the win. But it still was a great game to watch. If you want to know more about this game, you should check out our game report on AmericanFootballInFinland.com. Wrote a little article this weekend for you guys. And also, here in a minute, we're going to have an interview with the Saints head coach, Miko Ospinen. Here with Miko Ospinen, head coach of the Tampa the Saints ladies. Miko, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Pervis. Always good to talk to you. So we're going to go right into it. First questions first. I saw you on the sidelines. I want to know, what is the purpose of the red hat and the red gloves? Well, uh, as you probably noticed in the Mikko game, we have a lot of game uh, play calling that we do with hand signals in addition to other ways. So it's a lot easier since we're probably the one of the teams who's actually been dress coordinated for all of the year. So all of our coaches are wearing the same colors. So I have to stand up some way 
that you actually I, get the signals. That's super unique. That that's what I thought, but I wanted you to say it so people would know that I wasn't just making it up. Because that's what yeah. I, I was like. He's out there wearing red. Everybody else is in blue, yeah. but now they can see him. That's really cool. A uh, very inventive and a good way to you know get your play calls in. So yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the game. Okay, you guys were up twenty-two to zero at one point. Uh, 28 to six at the half, obviously, and then things went differently. My question is, did you guys like make some type of adjustments on the offensive side once you got up by so much, or was it more of they made adjustments on the defense that kind of changed what you were already doing? I guess they made some adjustments, but well, we still went up and down the field, we just couldn't finish and couldn't execute on the red zone. So that was pretty much what uh, stopped the offense at that point. So it's, it's just something I think it's we we kind of let up the gas, so to say, at that point. But we still need to execute a lot better on the okay. second half. That's what it looked like when I watched it as well. It's just you still moved. It. I mean, y'all racked up a ton of yards. So yeah, I think obviously. we had some like 500 or six, 600, 550 or 600 yards. We just need to finish drives better. That brings me to my next question. I want to ask you about um, one player in particular, uh, the quarterback, Amelia. I want to say, is it Ratu? Is that how you say her name? Ratu, yeah. Ratu? Yeah, Amelia Ratu. She had a monster game. Uh, I think she had a little bit over 360 yards passing, four touchdowns in the air, I think, or three and two in the air. Three, yep. Three in the air, two on the on the run game, right? So, yeah, five, five total touchdowns. That's a lot of points coming from one player. How did you feel about her in this game and how she played and how she's led your team, you know, to this victory? She is definitely one of the best quarterbacks I've been around. And especially with the deep passing ability of hers, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody needs to spend the whole field. And we haven't done too much running with – since he's a dual threat athlete. So we haven't done too much running with uh, Emilia so far, but she is a beast. That, that's so interesting. Then this is me getting off script that you said that she's a dual threat because I literally had a conversation yesterday where I brought her up and I was like, it's crazy because this quarterback can run and they don't even run her. I was yeah. like, if I was there, I would run her, but that's just because I like to run the quarterback. But if you're putting up yep. 300 yards in the air, and it, it looks like it's really good for your receiving core as well because she spread it around. You know, everybody yeah. knows about Lada Ahman, and she's, you know, the next coming of the best receivers in the world. But all the other receivers were still getting balls. I don't, I can't remember the name of – who's the number 87 tight end? Eight, 87, gonna, that might be Rosilati, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. we have two tight ends as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. But I, number- I'm not that great with numbers. <laughs> yeah, I'll, and I'm not that great with names. So we have <laughs> yeah. because, you know, like I'm watching the game. I'm writing down numbers. It's okay, this yeah. player did this, and then looking up the name later. The number 87, uh, I guess it's Rossi Latte. Latte? Yeah, Is that yeah I think so, yeah. Anae Rossi Latte. She's very impressive to me. I'm just putting that out there. Um from the tight end yep. position, I know it's it's difficult to do what you do in the tight end position, catching balls in the middle of the field. Ball placement has a lot to do with it, but she was very, very consistent for you guys. But going into this bye week coming up, um, the whole league is on a bye this weekend. Going into the week, you guys are two and one. 
how do you feel about where you are as a team development right now? You know, it's your first year in the, you know, the big league. You're, you're in a good position, but how do you feel about your team right now? I think one of the biggest things was to establish ourselves in the league. Like, we've been in the league before, but there's been, uh, we've always been uh, like only scoring seven or 14 points, kind of like in the gusp. And then, so it's establishing ourselves. That's the biggest thing. And also understanding that it's a long season. Like we have the roster to improve th throughout the season. So that's the biggest thing. And for the next two weeks, we're going to be working on our special teams, then bringing up a uh, different kind of stuff. We've been doing a lot of vanilla things so far. I know you're going to bring up the special teams. Yes, we're going to continue doing the on-site uh, things we do so far. So, yeah. I, you know what was interesting? I was not going to say anything about the on-site. Uh, I, I yeah, wrote yeah, about yeah. it and in, in, I wrote an article about the game and I wrote that, you know, you guys did the on-site. But if it works, I, I mean, it's 2022. There's some yep. teams that don't punt, you know. If, if it works, I feel like that's something that's great for you guys. Your defense is really good, so it doesn't hurt you to let someone start at the 45 or 50 Yeah, with the chance and, of getting it. And we have a lot of, like, we do a lot of statistics, a lot of anal analytics. analytics. Yeah, so we have a lot of, like, this has been, a, like, we debated it throughout the winter time, and our coaches were – like full on bar, let's not do punting, let's not do like yeah, you go you go for two, you don't do field goals either, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as we stay up, like if we score more than 50% of the time for the two pointers, we're already up. I so love that. Like, I, I love yeah. that you're not like old school and especially with the women, because a lot of people that coach women try to like take it back. And you guys yeah, are running yeah, yeah. A, a new, a modern type of game, and that's how it should be played. And they take it way back. You, I mean, they go to the 80s and the 90s, and they go with, like, we only have two players that can actually run the ball. We only have this and that. And I've seen single wing, and I'm like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, like, this is insane. That it, This is not how you're supposed to play football in, like, 2020. But it yeah. is what it is. Like, everybody does theirs. And and that's another thing. If anybody is listening, the women's league in Finland is it's much better actual football than most women leagues. And yep. you'll see that when you watch teams like you, your Saints, even um, West Coast Phoenix. Both of these teams pass a lot. Both of your teams pass a lot and pass well. Yep. That's the hardest part is how do you get you know women to pass well? Well, you keep doing it, and you guys are doing great. So I got one last question. I'm gonna let you get out of here. I personally think that the women's Maple League is very competitive. They play great football overall. But, you know, you being one of the coaches in the league, what is one thing about the women's league that people here in Finland should know of why, you know, you should follow these this league and these games with these women, you know, and support them? I always kind of love the idea that they're – they're just putting it all out there. They're just playing football. There's no, nobody's getting paid, at least that I'm aware of. Nobody's getting, like, you're not bringing in people from around the world to play. These are just people who are working their jobs and then coming into practice. And they're like, they're paying to play. They've got to love it. I mean, they wouldn't be there. They're otherwise. And the coaches also, nobody's getting paid. So there's, there's a distinct love for the game that you don't see. Like, the, all of the emotions, it's pretty much like you're all in. This is something you love to do. That's why I love to support the uh, women's uh, Maple League. And even the first and the second divisions, there's a lot of love for the game. So that's what, what I like about it. 
what I like about that is that sounds like real football, you know? Um, yeah. Obviously, some people have, some people haven't. But if you know what football like is in the States, I'm from Texas. So, you know, that's I grew up playing, you know, breathing football. And that's what it was. It was, you know, we play football. We don't care if we're getting paid for it or not. Um, when we're in high school, and you're trying to get scholarships every Sunday. We still went and played backyard football. Yeah, you, that's what you season. do. Yeah, it's what you do. I really like how players don't switch teams. That's one of the things you can actually grow players. I mean, we've had yes. a lot of, lot of for a lot of years. We've had Amelia for a lot of years. And, like, she's gotten better every year at being mm-hmm. a quarterback. And that's what it's all about. If anybody's listening, you know, take a page from what American football really is. If you look at high school, college, and even professional teams, they get players with the idea that we're going to have them for three to four years at least before they go to the next level where they get developed. What you guys have is, you know, extended college. In college, you get players and you're like, hey, next four years, we're going to help you become the best you can be. And this is what you guys are doing out there. It's really great. Miko, I'm glad you're able to talk today. This was a great interview. I promise we're going to get some more women's stuff on the podcast. And this is just the beginning, man. I appreciate you coming by. Yeah, thank you, Purvis. And to anyone listening, you better come to some games because it's, uh, it's great, great fun. That's great, man. All right, take it easy. Yeah. Going to the second game, the Turkey Trojans beat the Loyal Lionesses. 48 to zero. Now, I only saw a little bit of this game because the score tells you what happened 48 zero, but it is getting overwhelmingly consistent that the Loya team is not able to score enough points to be competitive in this league. It's just what it's been. They they have not been able to put up a consistent offensive route or stop other teams. They consistently give it up over 40 points, over 40 points and two losses and 80 points and one loss. So I'm a little worried about that. But moving to the third game, which we recorded this on Sunday, so I just saw this game. Helsinki Wolverines beat the Mikolay Bouncers 32-0. to It was not a great game, but it wasn't a horrible game. Uh, the Wolverines are just a much better team. Not much better. I take that back. They're a better team than the Mikolay Bouncers were. And it just seemed like the bouncers couldn't find a way to get on the board and force the Wolverines to play a different style than what they wanted to. The Wolverines were in control the entire game. It is what it is. I think the bouncers are just going to have to figure something else out because they just didn't have enough options to really compete against this team. And that's how the women's league is going to be this year. But I don't get too much into it. So I will talk a little bit about the players of the week. This time uh, for offense, we have quarterback Amelia Retu. I think is how you say her name. I'm just going to talk about her stats. She was 22 for 44, 365 yards passing, three touchdowns. She also had 55 rush yards and two rush touchdowns. So, yes, she totaled five touchdowns in this game and over 400 yards of total offense. So, Amelia was everything for the Tampa the Saints offense and she really did command the game both in the air and with her feet when she needed to she didn't rush a lot and when she did she was really effective but her throwing was really good she hit a lot of receivers I want to say five or six different receivers I think she had two receivers go for over 100 yards a piece 
So she was consistent and getting the ball downfield and to multiple options. She hit two tight ends. So she had three receivers and two tight ends that got the ball from her for sure. So she definitely spread it around like a young Aaron Rodgers. On defense, linebacker from the West Coast Phoenix, Aino Yoro, she had 15 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, one forced fumble, one pass breakup, and half a sack. Uh, for me, when I was watching the game, I was just like, man, that number 49 is everywhere. She is doing everything. If it's a run play, she's making a tackle. If it's a pass play, she's making a tackle. If the ball is in the, in the air, she's there. Uh, she was very consistent presence for this game for the West Coast Phoenix and Part of the reason that they actually made a, a go for it towards the end was, you know, her making plays in the backfield to make things difficult for the Saints where they weren't able to overcome. So big kudos to both of those two players. With these games being over, we should know the, the women's pick them. I'm going to do the stats real quick because we are all tied. We're all seven and two. Yeah, we're all seven and two. Me, Ellie, and Becky, we're all seven and two because I picked the Wolverines win and they both picked the bouncer. So that's how I caught up. And that is Women's Maple League. I feel like it took a long time, but that's how it goes. So the next thing I got on this list is Women's Football Alliance. We have two Finnish women playing in the Women's Football Alliance. And both of these Finnish women, Nana Olavo and Tuti Kusinen, both of them are first team All-Americans in the WFA. First team. They're actually going to play an all-star game, an all-American game in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame Stadium in July. Also, both of these women are on playoff teams. Nana's team, the DC Divas, they're number three seed, and they're going to be playing against the number two seed, Tampa Bay Inferno, on June 11th, which is in two weeks. While Tutti's team... The Boston Renegades, they're number one seed, and they'll be playing number four seed Pittsburgh Passion on June 11th. And that's the update on Women's Football Alliance and our two players over there. Next up, we got the Scandinavian Cup happened, getting back to men's football in Sweden pretty much. This weekend, the Christian side Gladiators played against the Tiraso Royal Crowns. This game went to overtime, which is surprising because – I expected it to be an overwhelming win, but Tiraso was able to, to pull it off in overtime, 45 to 39. And this puts Tiraso Royal Crowns in the Scandinavian Cup final. The next game that happened was that Eidsvold 1814s versus Stockholm Mean Machines. Mean Machines took care of business 50 to 3 and punched their ticket to the final as well, where they'll take on Tiraso in Stockholm on July 18th. Uh, the last game from the Scandinavian Cup was Oslo Vikings versus Karlstad Crusaders. Crusaders got the win 12-6, really close game. Two very good international teams. Uh, they were basically playing for second, and Karlstad got it. Oslo, I think they're one and two playing in the Scandinavian Cup, so they found out that these Swedish teams are really serious for them. So that's that with Scandinavian Cup. Uh, I think the next weekend, the – Sweden league goes back so they'll have actual like Sweden games coming up before they get back into the Scandinavian Cup at the end of June last thing I got on here international competitions uh I looked at the GFL a little bit I didn't see any games that like stood out or that were important to me thinking of the ELF that starts in about a week 
right? I think it starts at the beginning of June. Yeah, we're getting close to it. Yeah, so once that starts, uh, I'll be following that a little bit more closely and I'll have more stuff for y'all. Uh, in Italy, they played week 12 games. Bologna Warriors beat the Lazio Ducks 28 to 21. That upset my picks because I picked the Ducks. And now since the Warriors won, both teams are three and five. And they might be in like a three-way tie for fifth place after the rest of the games that are played today. Because the Parma Panthers played a Verona Mastini today, but Panthers are in second place. Veronis and last, so that's not a big deal. But the Modena Vipers played a Guelphy Ferenz. The Modena Vipers are three and four. If the Vipers lose, which they should, because they're three and four, Guelphie is five and two. If Vipers lose, they'll be three and five. Them, Bologna, and Lazio will all be tied for fifth through five, six, through seventh place. So there'll be three teams tied for two slots. So that's how they're getting in Italy. It's getting real close. I think there's about two more weeks left before the season is into playoffs. So it's getting real tight for some of these teams in the middle. And that is my rundown of other news. Football outside of the Maple League. Women's Maple League is going to be taking a break this next week. So next weekend, I'll actually do an in-depth women's portion of the podcast and go over like stats leaders and teams that are doing. And I'm proud to say that I've watched enough football this season for the women's maple league that i'm ready to start putting my opinions out here on the podcast i haven't done it so far because i didn't want to just be saying stuff for no reason guys but now i've watched enough games i've seen all the teams play i have a better understanding of how they're playing and what the players are doing i'm gonna start talking a little bit trash as i do if you're listening to my voice you're now part of the aff community But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. We all know you know, what happened in the games this weekend. So let's talk about which teams won and which teams lost their game. First up, we have the Roosters versus Crusaders game. Chris, who won this game or who lost this game? Uh, So the Helsinki Roosters came out winners, absolutely dominated UNC in this one, and UNC didn't have a hope in hell in this game at all. I agree 1,000-plus percent. This is one of those games where I don't want to waste my breath talking about it, honestly. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Yeah. There's a a few takeaways, though. Like, Bryce Stancombe looks legit. Yeah. But he throws, like, two two incompletions, three incompletions, maybe four. Four. He was 14 Four incompletions. Yeah, 14 of 18. So, he he was very safe with the ball, very sensible, threw some TD passes. They took him out to protect him for injury. You know, they gave Henry some some garbage time, and he threw one TD as well. So they're doing their thing there, the Roosters. They're building into the season. I think they're getting better and better every week as the week goes on. Must be nice to play the Eagles and the Crusaders, right? Yeah, strength of schedule. I mean, they can get some things down. They can work some things out that they need to work out, see what's working for them, see what they want to throw away out of the playbook. So it's a nice couple of games for them to – 
you know, that strength of schedule, we talk about it in the NFL all the time, like who's got the stronger or weaker schedule. And it seems like, yes, they come off losing to the Steelers, but they've got two nice games back to back to work out those kinks that maybe didn't work for them in the first game. True. So we won't waste too much time. Let's move on to the second game. We had the Kotka Eagles playing against the Porvo Butchers. Everyone knows how that game went. Another game where one team had zero points. Q, who won and who lost this one? Porvo Butchers won the game. Coca Eagles lost it. Simple and plain. Um, the Eagles are just not ready. They're not ready yet to compete. I won't say fully, but they're just not ready to do the things they need to do to manage these games. I don't know if it's, it's depth or if it's skill abilities. Um, they do have some some good players. I just think it's growing pains right now. It's you wanted you wanted to be in this league. And now you're going to have to go through the growing pains of being in it. I don't think they're a terrible team at all. I just think they have to find a way to put points on the board against good teams. I'm not saying that Puevo is a, a bad team, but they need to be able to score on teams like Puevo if they plan on making it to the playoffs. Um, they'll, they'll get better. You know, it's just growing pains for them right now. But Puevo obviously won the game. Brandon Gwinner had a had a had a pretty good game. He, he put the ball in the end zone, did his thing. They actually even have a running game, running back. We don't talk about the running back that much, but number seven, he's been he's been running pretty hard. He got one call back. Brandon is a guy that that's gonna fight, and I think it'll be some other games like this where he'll be on, and they'll they'll compete. You know, the, the guy is, is the leader of the team. Him and Miko hooked up a few times. Um, he hooked up with the young boy a few times too. So Puma Bush definitely won the game. It was it was something to see. Before we get to the third game, I'm just gonna talk about these two teams because I just I have to throw this out here. When you look at UNC and you look at Kotka, obviously we're looking at them both and we're like, okay, these are gonna be on the bottom of the league. When I see UNC play, I feel like, yeah, they're not great, but they could score, you know. I look at the offense. And there's times where I'm like, well, you know, this goes that way, this goes that another way. This offense might be able to put up points. Sometimes they move the ball down the field, and you're like, okay, cool. You look at the Eagles, and you're like, to hell. <laughs> how, how do they get on the other side of the field? I don't know, because nothing they do makes sense that they will be able to do that. And even in this game, that they had the import receiver come in, and he made a couple plays, but it didn't come to the point of like, you can't really just rely on that one guy. And when you do your run game, it just it doesn't add up because you're always behind. The play calling doesn't really help you. Then the quarterback gets hurt. I know that's a horrible deal, but they weren't. It wasn't like when they had Chris Forsey, all of a sudden they were just going to be putting up points. They weren't. So even when he got hurt, nothing really changed. That's the difference in those two teams right now. Both teams aren't helping the Maple League overall, but at least one team, I feel like I see progression from week to week. For the Eagles, I haven't seen progression. All I've seen is losing over and over. So that's my, my my two cents on those two. But let's get to the meat of things. The one good game of the week in theory. This is the one. This uh, is the one. Yeah, the Helsinki Wolverines hosting the Quopio Steelers. Now, I wasn't going to take this one, but Coach Q said I should. So I will. That's how we do it. Oh, man, there's a lot to say here. Actually deciding who won and who lost isn't that hard on this one. The Steelers won. You felt like you watched two teams who you think could be Maple Bowl contenders or even Maple Bowl winners. And both of these two teams came out. 
a lot of jaw jacking, as I said earlier, heard a lot of talking. But the difference in the teams was the Wolverines were talking, but that's about it. That is what they did. They talked. The Steelers were talking as they were playing. And you saw it in the way that they held themselves in the game, how they reacted to plays. The Wolverines in this game, you could tell that when they felt like they weren't going to win, heads were hanging down. Guys weren't trying to motivate each other on the sidelines anymore. And it just went away. And that's how you know that it was just talk. Now, I can't say that for the other team because they never really were losing, but the Steelers never really like slowed down in their aggressiveness and how they felt about their play in this game. As they played in the third quarter, they had the same intensity as they had in the first. Wolverines didn't have that. That's why I say definitely that the Steelers won because they went into that that other team's house and took the victory. They came in and said, we're going to win. They didn't play the best game of the season. But they also didn't – they never – there was never a point in that game where I was like, man, Wolverines might might pull this one off. Mm-hmm. They, never gave me, they, never, they never gave me that look. I, again, I'm not going to talk too much because I know Chris has a lot of notes on it. But – actually, I do have a lot to say. So, I'm, I'm going I'm to let it ride. Um, the last thing I want to say, because I, I, I have to yield the floor. I have to yield the floor because everybody knows there's so much to be said. I have to yield the floor. But what I want to say, and I don't know what your notes say, Chris. I don't know what you got written down either, Q. I want whatever people say about this game, I really wish people would talk about the game as it is because I feel like there's a lot of people in the football world who are going to bring up, well, the Wolverines didn't have this that the score was only by 15 points. A lot of, like, hypotheticals of, like, well, their defense didn't have to do much because we didn't have these many players, blase, blase. One team looked like they were going to win the game the entire game. Normally that's a blowout, but in this game it wasn't. The reason it wasn't a blowout is because the Wolverines' defensive front was really good. But as good as that defensive front was – they never looked like they were just going to stop the Steelers' offense completely, which they didn't because it takes a full defense. And this is alluding to where the holes are in the Steelers' defense, right? I mean, the Wolverines' defense. That's all I want to say before I get into y'all stuff. Let's leave all these hypotheticals of, you know, if this happened, if that happened. The game that was played, one team looked like they were going to win the entire time and one team looked like the bottom of somebody's shoe the entire time. So with that, I'll pass it to Chris Green, who obviously has something to say about it. Yeah, a lot of people will say that this game was a defensive battle, but I actually don't think it was. I think both defenses balled out. But when you look at how the Steelers played, they had over 240 yards of offense. And they would have had more if it hadn't been for some key drops that they had. I remember a couple, Isaac Marshall dropped one. I think Harju dropped a couple. And they were, they were scores as well, you know? So that game, the score sheet, I don't think it really reflects on how that game was. It could have quite easily been 20-something to zero, 30-something to zero. I think the, the Steelers need some help at receiver. I don't think they have a true number one receiver at the moment. Yes, they rely heavily on their run game, but when their run game wasn't quite working, okay, Anthony still had nearly 100 yards rushing. But he was only uh, only averaging, I think, 2.9 yards per carry or 3 point something yards per carry, which is not the Lee Anthony that we know. 
yes, okay, it was wet. Yes, it's hard to run on the, the velodrome. But when that run game's not working for them, you know, who's their playmaker? Who are they going to go to? Who are they going to throw the ball up to? And then you look at the Wolverine side of the things. I mean, geez, how are you going to win a game with 26 yards of offense? You got no hope in hell. That, I know that Corpio Steelers defense is good, but geez, 26 yards of offense? Wolverines, man, do something. Jeez. <laughs> How are you going to win a game with 26 yards? Did they do anything? Crazy. Did they, when it, when it got bad, did they change things up? Was there any people, did the play calling change? It didn't look like it, no. No, they didn't it did try not. anything special. <laughs> like, yeah. may, maybe run a trick play, do something to get the juices flowing. Do something different, but there was just nothing. Like it was kind. Of, I remember that me. I posted that meme in our group of a guy with a stick where he's po- poking the Wolverines logo. Like do yeah. something, jeez. And we talked about Keen the Dream already. We had him on the show. Like we talked about him. He balled out defensively. That whole Guapio Steelers defensive line balled out. The secondary balled out. Okay, the Wolverines didn't have Martin Emos, but. One receiver, I don't think, makes that much of a difference when you're only putting up 26 yards of offense. So the Wolverines need to sort it out. They just they need to do something. There's one way to win a football game. You have to score more points than the other team. There's no other way to win a football game. You can't win a football game by not scoring. It's physically impossible. You can win by stopping the other team from scoring, but you still can't technically win without scoring points. And if you don't score any points... I don't get why people think that not scoring points or not getting beat by a lot of points is just as good. Like there's people that really think that, okay, they only lost 15 to zero. It's different if they only lost 15 to seven, because then you can say, well, they were able to score. They, they showed some progress. If you don't score any points in a football game, a three hour game, 60 minutes anyways, or is it 60 minutes? No, 12 minute quarters, 48 minutes of playing time. If you don't score any points, it doesn't matter if they beat you one to zero. You never had a chance to win because you were never going to score any points. And that's what the Wolverines looked like. They never were yeah. going to score. There they was didn't no look point like in this they game. Were score, no they no point in this game. Like at all. What about you, Q? What are your thoughts on this? Oh, man, man, man. I just want to read you guys something. <laughs> Two first downs, five <laughs> rushing yards. <laughs> 21 passing yards, 26 yards of total offense. They were eight for 70 penalties and two turnovers. Now, if I'm a Wolverines player, coach, fan, anything, I would be embarrassed because not only were you in the game, but you just weren't in the game. You know, it's like it almost looked like offensively, they just, it was, there was no game plan. I don't know. I like the, the game, the plays were just so sporadic it was it was like wait it wasn't a zone read it obviously wasn't zone read it was zone they running a lot of zone um because it was yeah i felt like maybe they probably came into this week overthinking um the corpio skills and i think corpio came into the game expecting more than what they got so offensively for corpio they pretty much played a throttled down game of like, let's just run the ball and see what we can get there since the weather is what it is. And like Corpio, I, I would say they controlled the clock in this uh-huh. game. They didn't finish drives all the, you know, all the time. They didn't score the second touchdown to the fourth quarter. So 
with with that being said, that sh- that kind of shows you how good of a team Corpio is. They literally knew that they weren't scoring a lot of points, but they knew they could score at some point. They was patient. You know, they had their miscues. They gave up a few sacks, actually. I think they might have gave up four to five sacks or something. But I don't think Corpio got exposed or anything by this game. Like, I, I feel like if, if anything they want to feel bad about is maybe not putting as much many points. That's about the only thing, but we can contribute that to weather or whatever. But I feel like the Wolverines has got a real eye-opener in this game and, like, what kind of team are you going to be? Because you got too many big names. Um, I don't care who played or who didn't play. You had Jabari on the field. You had James on the field. You had RJ on the field. You had Benji on the field. You had Velestiam on the on the on the field. Like it still was a lot of big names on there. Another Slater, Slater on the field. It was a lot of big names on there still to where you only needed eight points up until the fourth quarter. You only needed eight points. Should have been that. You could really keep the Jabari, field goal. Of Jabari had to run out the back of the end zone because he didn't know what was going on. Yeah, that was just that was just that that right there just let me know that mentally Wolverines just weren't in the game offense. Yeah, they weren't ready. It didn't seem like they were ready. And I like what you said about the game plan. I'm sure they did have a game plan. They had a plan A, but they didn't have no plan B when plan A didn't work. (laughs) Yeah, they did. Yeah, at at halftime there was no type of adjustment made. It was no type like you. You have, you have to feel good being like, okay, we we're playing horrible on offense, but we're only a touchdown down. <laughs> like we're only a touchdown down. So you mean to tell me in four quarters nobody could figure out any kind of way to get a like two first downs, bro? <laughs> two I, first downs. I feel they like played well on defense. If you can restrict a guy like Anthony Reasonover to less than a hundred yards. You should be competing in that game. You should be winning that game. I feel like this is one of those things where when we're talking about the Wolverines, we agree that they, as a team, just in general, they probably were thinking, you know, we're only down by this. And I'm just going to say this. That's a loser's mentality. Yeah. I'm only down by this isn't the same as we can do this or here are our opportunities. You know, this is how we can score. They weren't thinking offensively or not even offensively, attackingly. You know, it's a defensive mechanism saying that if I'm only down by this, eventually we'll score. That's what they're hoping. And I say hope because you're not planning. You're not planning to score. You're not scheming. You're not strategizing. You're saying, well, if they if our defense is good enough, then eventually we'll catch up. But how the hell are you going to catch up? There's no plan. If you really want to put it on it, that's what happened. The defense, the front seven was was fine. They played really good. But we all saw those passes that could have been touchdowns. Those receivers wide open. Yeah, they were. It it wasn't like, oh, this DB made a play on the ball. The DB was five yards behind them. And they dropped the ball. I think there was like one pass where it was just a little too far, which probably yeah, that was the hard you down the the left hand side. Yeah, yeah. Where I mean, it happens, but you know, with the drops, these guys are open and these drops are happening, which means you don't have that much time to just wait around. This game could have got ugly fast if things had changed had went differently, but they didn't, and the team played like 
it wasn't ever going to get ugly. They played like the team was really only two scores better when in actuality this team was at least five scores better than them. And it's going to be hard to hear because people are like, well, they only scored this. Yeah, yeah. But watch the film. If you grade the players off of what happened in the film, the secondary for the Wolverines, hey, we named some names. They had an injury. But before that injury, after the injury, that secondary wasn't in sync. I saw plenty of times where guys were wide open and the quarterback wasn't able to get them the ball because that front seven did their job. But when he was able to get the ball downfield, you saw wide open receivers. It's not like that only happened on those throws that they missed. That was happening the whole game. Again, I did say the Steelers had the best defensive secondary. I don't feel like the Wolverines proved me wrong. I don't see how that would have proved me wrong, all those wide open receivers. Yeah, they definitely didn't. Like you say, it was just drops. Yeah, got just drops. It's not like the guy's not open. Offensively, we could talk about this all day. If you have Jabari Harris on your team, you have a chance. But if you don't utilize Jabari Harris on your team, you don't have a chance. <laughs> they looked like – they reminded me of what Jabari looked like in that season with Porvoo when they came in last place. He didn't look like the, the Jabari Harris we saw last season, who was running plays, very poised in the pocket, threw the ball. A lot of his throws were sporadic. He was missing receivers. I don't think it's because he – doesn't know how to throw the ball. I think it was because he wasn't comfortable. There was always pressure. He was always trying to avoid on that safety. No one was open. It was third and long inside your own 10-yard line, and they had nothing but deep routes. Like he was going to have 10 seconds to go back and throw the ball. He was just trying to create time and ran out of real estate because they didn't understand the situation as a team, and that's on the team. And I think that this is one of those things that I said before the season – and they're proving me right is that the Wolverines are going to be the Wolverines. Hey, you're right about that. I didn't fall for it, guys. You're right I didn't about fall for it. One week, hey, one I still week, think they're going to be the second place team at the end of the season. I'm not disagreeing with that, but well, I, you might I, be right. I chose my first place. You might be right. But what they do is they one week they look like the hottest team. And then the next week it's like, oh my gosh, like, and that's just how they are. That's how they play. And two different teams, too, though. Yeah. That's how that's how you can you can find the measure of a team by looking at how they play one of the best versus one of the worst. Even even in the game that they won, and now we're getting off topic of this game, but in the game where they put up all those points they won, you didn't feel like they were doing something special, right? You just feel like, okay, it was a good opening warm-up. Yeah. But now they had a, a talent, a, a challenge. You know, this was a test. And you, you get to see how adversity defines players and teams. And this was a game where you're constantly in adversity, and they never showed any signs of it. Um, comparing them to a team like the UNC team, the UNC team had no, no business winning against the Roosters. We knew that wasn't going to happen. But there was glimpses. There was flashes. Uh, Shea Netter was dropping the ball in the bucket in some of those throws. Now, they could do it consistently to get downfield, but you saw the progression. The Wolverines never had any progression in this game. I don't know how many carries William Young had, Ten. but I know he didn't have enough touches. Yeah, he I know he. I know he can catch out the backfield. I know he can play slot receiver. I know they did nothing to get him the ball outside of handing it on a zone or a stretch, which gives this, him no opportunity. This was another thing. This this is just me. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I feel like the Wolverines team overall has good players. 
I don't think they paid attention to the other team's signings when they made their signings. And what I'm saying by that is they're real DB heavy when there's nobody else in the league who is necessarily receiver heavy. Like there isn't a team where they have to man up with. The Roosters are are young, a young receiving core right now. They they do have like one or two guys, but I feel like the Wolverines didn't they didn't necessarily address the places that they should have fully. Linebacker. You know you're gonna play region over, you know you're gonna play Powell. That last DB that they signed, he played linebacker in this game though. I mean, like I've just seen a true linebacker. Though. Yeah, he's like a small true. Linebacker. I just, I just feel like it, the team is is built to stop passes, but didn't do it this game because it was so much running going on that they got they went to sleep back there pretty much, True. and that's how Corpio kept killing them with the play action. Every time he he was doing full play action steps, fakes, like really, and, and I mean, even got the pump fake off of one one time, and I was like. <laughs> This is when you literally, like, has worn down a team, a defense kind of, would just run. Like, we've been running so hard. Because just to be specific about who you're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm putting names out there. You got two safeties in Curtis Slater and Eric Irvin. Let's call a spade a spade. These are two aggressive safeties. Yeah. These aren't two guys who want to roam the, the secondary and find balls in the air. If they see that it's a run – they're coming. Yeah. Slater going to take your legs out and Eric going to take your head out. Like, they're coming. I give them that. But the problem is, if they come, they're also your best cover guys. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you make them do the run game, you're putting those other guys on islands, and those other guys are finished guys who they are losing the matchups. Yeah. It is what it is. I don't see how that helps. Like you said, I don't understand – how having those type of guys in those positions helps their team. Both of those guys are going to be taking chances. From that aspect, too, I understand why you keep getting secondary people. But if you're going to get them, and you utilize them correctly, because I feel like they're not utilizing the players that they do have so they can be a good team. And, again, this is why I say the Wolverines are the Wolverines, because this is what they do. They get good players and then leave it at that. It takes more than just good players to win in the Maple League now. Back when we played, yeah, all you needed was, you know, perfect purpose or, you know, Coach Q, and you could win anything. Uh, ah, those are not facts. My teams were never good. <laughs> I, I, can't even, I can't sit here and lie to you guys. My team was horrible. Horrible. But um, that's that's win or loss. <laughs> I'm going to get sidetracked. I'm not going to give you all all my business, okay? All right, guys. So you're here with Coach Q. Purvis and our other host, Chris. We got a special guest today, none other than the Corpio Land Shark himself, <laughs> Akeem the Dream. Everybody, okay. welcome Akeem the Dream to the interview. What's happening? Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Glad uh, to be here. Uh, Happy to be here. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk to us today. We got a few questions for you. Some of the fans probably want to know some things about you too, but Purvis, what question you got for Akeem first? Well, this is what I want to know. Do you feel that the Corpio Steelers defensive front seven is the best in the league? And if you do, why? Uh, without a doubt. I feel the reason why is because our gap integrity is way more stronger as a unit than any other, you know, defense that I've seen running a four-two-five defense. 
most of the teams that runs a 4-2-5 defense, um, the DNs are just crashing outside or doing the, you know, things that as a 4-2-5 defense is not made for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's plenty of playmakers on the Wolverines and the Roosters and teams like that. But as far as gap integrity and as far as, you know, being disciplined as far as all levels on the front seven, I feel like we have the strongest front seven because they're being coached very well. I want to know, do you think, in your opinion, the Steelers are better this year than they were last year? As a unit, 100%. Um, last year, I think that we were extremely strong on one side of the field. This year, I think that we're very strong on like all levels, DB, secondary, um, back end, and defensive line. We don't have Semi Raji that provides that, you know, consistent speed speed rusher, but we we still have the guys that have the potential to provide that same, you know, game to their game, but it's not the same as Semi, but that doesn't make us a stronger, you know, defense overall that makes us work together and makes us know like, hey, we gotta have make a play not only in on the D-line, but all, as well linebackers, as well as DBs, as well as safeties and special teams. So I think as a unit, we are stronger. Me and Purvis obviously been around Finland football for a long time. Um, I actually got to play against Corpio back when I was playing. But it's always been a nice football city, culture. Now that you guys, I can say, are the top dogs, right? You know, you, you hear about the Roosters and you heard about the Butchers in the past, but – now Corpio is a top dog. How is it in Corpio right now? Like as far as the, the football world, what's the culture like there? Well, it's gotten a lot better uh, since I've been here. You know, when I first got here, not too many locals were focused on the American football itself. You know what I mean? But now since we have won the championship last year and we have made, you know, continuous noise as far as the imports and as far as the coaching staffs and stuff like that and the off the field things that's been going on in Corpio, we've extremely helped the organization out, you know, with the sponsors and stuff like that. So as far as everything, the football culture and the locals, it's gotten way better because, you know, you win, always gain more fans, you know what I mean? So that's been the glory of it. I want to double down on that. So if Quopio is, you know, like a football town now, you know, everybody knows the Maple Bowl is in Quopio. I'll be yeah. real honest with you. I'm not really trying to travel that far for the Maple <laughs> Bowl, but, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. Uh, explain to me why, you know, people should come to that game, whether you guys are in it or not, just hypothetically, the Quopio fan base, Quopio City, why should people come to Quopio to watch football? I think, you know, since I've been here, I've always heard Helsinki is the place to be. Helsinki is the, you know, the top teams and the top tier teams in this league. You know, I think that Quopio would be a nice switch up, you know, like, you know, just to pass the torch on, you know what I mean? Like Helsinki had the glory years, you know what I mean? But, oh, so it's you know, now it's like it's time for a new beginning, a new team to be on the rise. And I think Quopio is the great place to be you know, to like watch some good football and see some new fans, new faces, new new coaching staff, just new environment overall. So do you feel at this point that anybody can stop your front seven? Well, I feel like that before the season. 
You know what I mean? Okay. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I had full confidence, you know, like through the offseason because I was here to stay throughout the whole winter. You know what I mean? So I was here the entire offseason getting the guys in early and stuff like that and coaching them up because Coach Pecker gives me the – you know, opportunity to coach the defensive line interior and outside. So, you know, just getting these guys, seeing them grow, seeing them, you know, use the tools that I give them and stuff like that. It's been an extreme confidence booster. I am extremely confident, like, as far as the defensive line and the front seven in general and back end, because, like, you know, the chemistry is there. You know, it doesn't matter if it's first string or second string. We've been in a situation where we didn't have our first or second string. And and we still, you know, made some mistakes, but we still fought through adversity. You know what I mean? So as far as like, you know, the front seven, I really, truly don't see anyone mentally or physically keeping up with us. There it is. There it is. Honesty has its best. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. But Akeem, thank you. For coming on, talking to us, answering a few questions for us, man. It was nice having you on the podcast. We look forward for the rest of your season. Good luck. We're definitely going to be picking with you and against you. So just get used to it. Uh. <laughs> I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, I'm never picking against the Steelers. No, no <laughs> hey, just do it. That will, that will motivate us more. So, you know, I, I'm all for it. I love y'all podcast. Y'all doing a great job. I'm happy you guys, you know, got me on here. You know, I love hearing you guys talk. You know, it motivates me on and off the field. So, you know, it makes me keep grinding because I want to, you know, I see someone is actually looking and actually has something to say about the game and the game in Finland. So it really is a great thing that you guys have this platform because it really turns us differently. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I love you guys and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on this platform and much love. All right, I appreciate you. you, man. All right. Have a good one, y'all. I'm now joined by offensive coordinator for the Helsinki Roosters. Coach Daniel Stanzel. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for asking. So thank you. First of all, thank you for coming on to the show. We've got some questions for you today. Um, so I'm just going to fire away straight away and get into it. So what aspects of the Roosters offense made it possible for your quarterback, Bryce Stancombe, to be so efficient against the UNC defense? I think uh, to answer that question, we have to talk about Bryce himself. Um, I've, I've been around a few teams now uh, in Europe and I haven't seen an arm talent like him uh, or like his. To see, uh, we actually play basketball as well. And that guy doesn't miss from the three point line. Oh. So um, he's a, he's a great quarterback, obviously uh, talent wise, but especially when you watch film, you can, you can see the nuances of, of the game and his reads and the stuff he does really well. So, um, I mean, here I just have to say he made it work. Um, and the film really ex exposes that to the stuff that he does so well. I think that was the key to get into a rhythm. And I, I can only just recommend anyone who kind of, you know, is into quarterbacking to watch our games. Uh, I think I truly believe he's, he's one of the best right now in Europe. I'm glad he's doing well because that first game against uh, Swedish Hall that you played preseason, we didn't really get to see much of it because there was a few offensive line issues and stuff, but you seem to have worked that out now. And he's he's absolutely balling back there. He's got time to throw. He's making right reads. He's being very efficient. He's being very, very safe, but also throwing a lot of touchdowns as well. 
So it's exactly what you want from your starting quarterback. For sure. And I think, uh, you know, that, that, that also shows the kind of leadership uh, that he brings to the table. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's his first contract in Europe. And, you know, he comes to, to Finland and he comes in January to Finland and, uh, you know, works with me and, you know, with this really young offense. And then suddenly your first game is against Schwäbisch Hall. So kudos to him for buying in, you know, for building this culture um, and, and developing the young talent we have. And, you know, the, the, the growth that, you know, we as an offense have taken is, is, is because of Bryce and, and the, the stuff he does. Great. I'm glad he's a good fit for you. Looking back at the UNC defense that you played, what were you able to exploit in that defense to help you get an early lead in the game? You probably saw on our sideline, we were very low in numbers. We were missing about 20 players and our leading rusher, Ato Mikkonen, yeah, no he was out with an injury and our left guard and, you know, college prospect, Alex Inetti, he was out. So we had to move some pieces around uh, our tight end, Gustav Wallstein started as our left tackle and, and Daifi and Gazin and shared running back reps. So the start was really about get our footing, you know, see that uh, we get the confidence early and, and, you know, call plays that work for us. Because, uh, you know, especially with this young team, they don't really know how good they really are. And as soon as it clicked, then it took off. And I made sure, you know, to, to feed those running backs. And I think on the first play of the game, I pulled our uh, 90 kilo uh, left tackle. So uh, that was really what the start was about is what works for us. And how can we, you know, get this thing going, even with, with very low numbers? A nice game for you to be able to do that as well. Obviously dominant in, in the victory. So what was the deciding factor when you took out your starters and you got your backups in to let them have some playing time? Like, what, what, what point of the game did you think, right, this is now time? To be fair, uh, some of our second stringers were actually already on the field. Uh, with the first drive. And when Vekumaki went down for a little bit and had to be, you know, taken out uh, to be evaluated, uh, Söderholm stepped in and he's also the guy that later replaced uh, Emmerich Nicole uh, when he went down. So, and Guy Yonder, he's the former sprinter that scored two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. He's also in some of the packages. So um, the only main change we made was Bryce. That was about uh, the third quarter. And, you know, we pulled Bryce because we have uh, this Finnish quarterback, Henry uh, Vanninen, who has just gotten back. And we also wanted to evaluate him. You know, uh, it might have been a bit early, but I, I, the Russos have always had this tradition of developing their players. I live by that as well. Um, and as you said, you had a few injuries already going into the game. So you had twos and threes repping in already. You know, losing someone like Octu was a... a kind of a loss for that game, but it got those other guys some, some valuable game time. And as you say, it's all about development and working towards, you know, next man up mentality and, and, and next year, you know, you don't know who you're going to have or you don't know who you're going to have next game, for instance, or later on in the season. It only takes well, one I mean, injury, I guess. Or, you know, uh, with our young team, just one high school graduation party or, you know, like a yeah. vacation with the parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. So after two consecutive 40-plus offensive games now. How do you feel about the offense's development so far this season? I feel good. I think um, I feel good about the offense, but especially uh, for the team too. I think uh, we have been growing since the Schwäbisch Hall game and we 
constantly doing so. Um, yes, our average age is 21. Yes, we our right tackle from Estonia, Christopher, he has played two games before he came to join us and he's 18 years old. And yes, like I said, a lot of kids are finishing high school right now, but uh, we are constantly improving and we constantly grow and learn. And, and that's, I think, that's what makes me happy. So um, two guys that haven't really been talked about much are our two wideouts, right? There's uh, Dartmo Bitkinen and Benary Reino. And uh, Dalmo has made two huge catches right before we scored for the first time uh, in the last UNC game. And, and him stepping up kind of gave us the confidence to, to score right after that. And Vanity, I think he has now five catches on the season. Three of them are touchdowns. So uh, I got to start calling him RV, you know, <laughs> red zone <laughs> or something. But no, but that kind of shows you that those guys stepped up and, and that's kind of um, the, the progress those guys are making and we making as an offense, also as a team is what we really need, right? That's, that's what kind of makes me happy. And that's how I kind of feel good about this whole team is that it's constantly improvement. And, and, you know, just that, that was our first away game. It was raining, you know, UNC had some, bodies all right and to even like to overcome that or like a slow start um that kind of makes me feel like we're on the right path yeah it's a it's a great achievement no doubt i mean what you're doing with the offense this season is is great and you seem to have the pieces together and like you say a real young developing team but with someone like bryce who's very experienced what seven years at college to have a guy like that be in the team and help these young guys through he seems to be doing wonders for them which is great and I guess it's only going to get better as the season goes on I guess that's uh, it's a good question for you um, as well because you you've been around here now is um, would you take mobile quarterback over a pocket passer Ooh, that's that's tough I I mean I guess with like a mobile QB you've always got that X factor because you just you get them outside and they, they can just make things happen. A, a guy I play with in my team in, in the UK, he's an American guy and he just he's got that X factor. He just makes things happen and he just pulls something off crazy. And he can still throw like a 60, 70 yard bomb as well. So I guess for me, I probably would go the mobile QB. If I'm thinking of an offensive coordinator, if I'm thinking with my wide receiver head, I want the ball. <laughs> so probably like a pocket passer <laughs> rather than a running QB, but bigger picture. Yeah, I would say, let's say a, a mobile guy, but it's not all about running down the field. You know, you look at guys like Tom Brady who moves around in the pocket. It's, you don't have to be mobile out downfield. It could just be those slight little movements in the pocket and stuff that, that works well for you. So it's not all yeah. about mobility. For sure. And I think, um, but the biggest issue I see, um, especially when it comes to scouting and I talk to other coaches all around Europe is that mobile quarterback and their highlights, they just, mm. they stick out to people. Right. And a guy, a guy like Bryce, he's athletic, you know, he can run. He scored, I think, uh, three touchdowns already on his feet, you know? So, um, but he won't have it on his highlight tape because he also has a lot of amazing throws there. Right. I, so I there's a lot of guys, I bet you he's going to have that touchdown catch on his highlight reel come after this season, <laughs> that Philly special. That's going to be on there, I know. <laughs> well, I'm glad it worked out, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good one. Was that was that pre-called before? When, obviously, we're going back a couple of games now, but was that pre-called 
before the game, oh, we're going to run it today? Or was it just the, come on, let's run this now. We've been practicing it. Let's give it a go. No, I, I think uh, we, we planned for certain situations where we might have to pull that out. Yes. And we had to show it because we wanted to score there. Um, yep. So I guess, you know. Yeah, nice. We've gone off a bit of a tangent there. So let's get back to the final question now. All right, for sure. So going into your bye week, what things are you guys going to focus on to continue developing your offense, your offensive success when you play the Crocodiles on June the 12th? Uh, June the 12th? June the 10th. This is the first long distance away game for a lot of guys, right? And I think that's the biggest challenge for us as coaches to kind of prepare them the best way possible, right? You have a late night shift, you know, you have those late practices and then the, like the early bus that leaves and I mean, it's always the same routine, but you know, you know that you, you get up before the kiosk opens and <laughs> yeah. uh, you stop for some meatballs and mashed potatoes, Abed say, and then you go to Senayoki, which arguably might be one of the toughest teams, you know, the most physical teams to play against. So um, to prepare them for that, that whole process, I think that's going to be the biggest key. And uh, like I said, we have 17 year olds on our on our team. So making sure that they're on time, that they don't drink Yaffa and eat potato chips, the whole bus. I hope you're listening, Shaggy. That's all for you, by the way. Um, so that's going to be one huge area of concern. Of course, like, I mean, we have to prepare for the Crocs themselves. Uh, their running game is just spectacular. I've been around long enough to know how great Powell is. And as an offense, you know, we have to, we have to expect to, to get physical. Um, so this week is really about what we as coaches can do right to put them in a situation to have success, you know? Yeah. I guess there's no real way to replicate an away day game. You've just got to go with it and hope, hope, like you say, they turn up on time. Maybe, maybe tell them half an hour early the bus is, but the bus is leaving before it goes. <laughs> Get them to turn up early. <laughs> the distances in Finland are something different. Oh, they're crazy, man. Crazy. Anyway, any last words from yourself? Thanks for having me. Um, if anything comes up ever, please don't hesitate to ask. I always love to talk football and X's and O's. And uh, yeah, best of luck to you and your show as well. Lovely. Uh, Coach, just a thanks from me and all of us AFF for coming on the show, taking the time to talk to me today. I've had fun. It's been great. And um, we've had a nice little football chat, which is which is brilliant. So good luck for the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll get you on at some point again and have a, have a nice week off. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Calling all junior skills players quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. If you were born between 2009 and 2003, this midsummer is your opportunity to shine. We'll be hosting our annual AFF Nordic Challenge 7 vs. 7 tournament in Lati on June 22nd. Top performers will be selected for the AFF Revolution teams in divisions U19, U17, and U15. These teams will have the chance to compete throughout Europe in the fall and play for the European Championship the following spring. If that isn't enough, there will be USA coaches in attendance scouting for their respective high schools and colleges. Due to field availability, registration will close once we meet the maximum number of participants. So head over to the website and sign up today. Registration can be completed at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash Nordic Dash Challenge. What are some of these tough questions that these teams need to answer this upcoming week of games? First game is Butchers versus Crusaders, which should be interesting. So, Coach Q, who do you? Which one of these two teams do you have a question for? 
My question is for the butchers. Are you ready to go now? Are you ready to to, to establish some type of uh, winning uh, season now? Playing against a team that you obviously feel confident going against. So what are you going to come out and do? What are you going to come out and show? For them, it'll be a two-game winning streak. I think that's something great that you need at this point in the season. You win early, and you go to the playoffs. So these are very, very important games. So my, my main question to the Butchers are, are you ready to take it to the next level? What about you, Chris? You got a question for the Crusaders? Are you going to score any points this week? So we've just seen the poor Vu Butchers dominate the Kotka Eagles. And we say the, the, the Kotka Eagles and UNC are kind of on a level playing field. Kotka could not score on that poor Vu defense. So UNC, can you score any points this week? Can you show me something in your offense? <laughs> that's crazy because that's how low, how low the bar is. Can you score? <laughs> <laughs> the other game is Corpio Steelers versus Sudioki Crocodiles. And I'll ask a question for the Steelers. I won't ask you to put up 50 points because obviously y'all are tired of even trying to do that. So I won't, I won't press you to put up a 50 burger. But my, my question for the Steelers will be, can you get back on track? Can you get back on track? I know you guys won against the Wolverines. I know your team as well. That wasn't the best you could play. That wasn't clean football. Obviously, the rain and stuff has something to do with it, but I don't give a damn about that. My question against the Crocodiles is, can you get back on track? Can you be the, the Quopio Steelers, Maple Bowl contenders that we expect? That team that beat the Wolverines weren't really Maple Bowl contenders. They were okay, but I'm, I'm looking for a great team. So can you get back on track? Uh, for the crocodiles, do y'all have a question for them? Because my I, I I'm got gonna, one. I'm gonna stay with Impala I Trust. So Chris, what do you got for the crocodiles? For the crocodiles, Christian Powell, can you outplay Lee Anthony Reason over? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Are you gonna outplay him on the stat sheet? Are you gonna outplay him on the field? Pass blocking, run blocking, like running. Can you outplay him? And Madden doesn't count. You can't just play them in Madden and then put a screenshot. That doesn't count, guys. <laughs> We're talking real football. All right, that does it for tough questions, man. Hope y'all can answer those this weekend. Only the two games. So Maple League teams back to action on Thursday with Butchers versus Crusaders. Steelers and Crocodiles play on Sunday. Our panel of football enthusiasts will pick winners for this week's games on our Instagram account at American Football in Finland. Feel free to find us in the comments with your thoughts. Right now, our rankings are in first place. Chris Green is 7-0. Perfect Purvis is 6-1. Finland Swami is also 6-1. Spencer is 5-2. Coach Q is in last at 4-3. And, and that is where we are on our pickums. Look good, play good. It's as simple as that. And Ray Athletics will help you look good in their fully customizable team uniforms. Made by players for players. Ray Athletics produces high-quality uniforms for teams all over Europe. Ray also allows teams to design custom apparel for comfortable travel and workout purposes. Visit rayer.se today to take your team to the next level. Stay sharp. That's it for this episode of American Football in Finland. Hope it was worth the listen. Any last words before we get out of here, fellas? Hey, congratulations to all the people that's graduating and uh, everybody that plays this weekend. We look forward to seeing it. I'm just hoping to keep my record perfect for this weekend. <laughs> so let's get it going. I don't even know my picks, but, yeah, I, I'm doing pretty good. Um, One thing I just want to say, 
Shout out to the Steelers for getting that dub because I was in a very vulnerable position in that stands wearing that Steelers hat and y'all came through for me. So I appreciate that. Also shout out to the Helsinki Wolverine ladies team, because again, you know, I put that hat on Instagram, you know, supporting the team with my pick and the bouncers have been, you know, they've been at my throat lately. So this was a tough pick for me. And I'm just glad you you ladies came through and got that win. Um, just good to be right on Pick'em sometimes. If you enjoy the show, please follow us wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less will tell us that you are a hater. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook at American Football in Finland. Also, by following us on all channels, you'll have a chance to win football merch provided by sponsors at Rare Athletics. Be sure to follow the instructions in the episode description below. Until next time, never forget T-I-F. And we go. We go. (laughs) We got to do it. American Football in Finland.